Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. We also have with us a very special guest, Alex Whiteclay, uh, who is coming back on to... I mean, he's been here throughout the entire uh, Innistrad Midnight Hunt preview season, and we, we brought him back on for his predictions. We want to see what he thinks are going to be the most adopted cards from Midnight Hunt. So welcome back to the show, Alex. Thank you. It's uh, very exciting to try my hand at this. That's always a, a fun little game to see uh, how our predictions from last time did and, and maybe calibrate our, our future predictions a little bit better. Um, but this is actually a, a special prediction episode because we are checking in not only on the AFR predictions, but because it was released so closely to Modern Horizons 2, uh, we, we kind of pushed the check-in uh, on those predictions until this episode. So we're checking in on both the Modern Horizons 2 and Adventures in the Forgotten Realms predictions. And with that, I, I think... Me, me and Zach are going to briefly read off our predictions and then just we'll see what the actual top 10 most adopted cards from each of those sets were. And then we'll get into what we think uh, is going to be the most adopted cards from Midnight Hunt. Again, I, I just want to uh, clarify a couple things. We the, the metric we're using is the number of decks on EDH rec that have this card in their main deck. And... In the in the case of Modern Horizons 2, just sort of looking at the top 10 list, uh, numbers 10, 11, and 12 are all within 25 decks of each other, the, the 10th, 11th, and 12th most popular card. So I'm, I'm going to bend the rules a little bit and say that if any of our predictions made it into the top 12, then it's a hit for us. But with, with that, I'll jump into my predictions. I thought that the, the 10 most adopted cards from Modern Horizons 2 were going to be tireless provisioner this is the card that on landfall um, makes either a food or a treasure i thought the artifact duels were going to see a lot of play uh unmarked grave the uh narrower less efficient in tomb timeless witness uh the slightly uh the slightly more expensive eternal witness with embalm um young necromancer or sorry with eternalize Young Necromancer, the ETB reanimation creature, uh, Urza's Saga, the constructed, I guess now constructed staple that is both a, a land and an enchantment and a saga, uh, and an Urza's. Esper Sentinel, the, the one drop, uh, Ristic Study looking guy, Solitude, the um, member of the elemental cycle that all have evoke, and this one come, flashes in and Swords to Plasher is something. Yavamaya, Cradle of Growth, the green Urborg. And Sword of Hearth and Home, which is the equipment that uh, the, the green-white member of the sword cycle that ramps out a land and blinks a creature. Uh, Zach, what were your predictions? Yes, yeah, so um, my predictions were Ignoble Hierarch, the Noble Hierarch but Jund. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, Sanctum Weaver, and I, I kind of, I kind of hedged my bets somewhat because it was like Sithis probably is also going to go in the same amount of decks, and Sithis was the uh, Enchantress Commander. Sanctum Weaver taps four mana equal to the number of enchantments you have. A uh, Sword of Hearth and Home, Urza Saga, Esper Sentinel, uh, Douthy Voidwalker, which is the 
says the graveyard hoser unmarked grave uh and like persist being like two cards one puts a card in your graveyard one reanimates it uh they seemed very strong to me tireless provisioner which is just like the as nick said it's just uncommon lotus cobra <laughs> like crazy dam which is either a kill spell or a wrath depending on if you overload it or not and yavimaya cradle of growth um so what were the actual top tens i guess uh so the actual top 10 i guess top 12 as i mentioned um is number one is esper sentinel number two is yavimaya cradle of growth number three is urza's saga Number four is Dothi Voidwalker. Number five is Tireless Provisioner. Number six is Ragavan Nimble Pilfer. That's a pretty interesting one because neither of us guessed that. That was Um, my honorable mention, so hmm. I was close. Okay, all right. All right, fair (laughs) enough. Number seven is Dam. Number eight is Ornithopter of Paradise. That's an interesting one. We might need to dig into that one a little bit further. Yeah, I like that. Number nine is Profane Tutor. That's the demonic tutor with suspend uh, that you can't cast normally. Um, number 10 is Academy Manufacturer. That's the three cost artifact creature. And if you would create a food, treasure, or clue, instead create all one of each. And then number 11 is o- Ignoble Hierarch. Number 12 is Sword of Hearth and Home. So, you know, if you, you, Grant me the 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 grace to uh, extend out to the top twelve. Then my hit rate was ooh, still not great. Uh, that, that puts me at five out of twelve. Um, but you you did really well. You you made out like a bandit on on what I think was a challenging one. Um, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, you got eight out of twelve or um, six out of ten. So pretty good predictions on a hard set. Um, yeah, good good job. Uh let let's talk a bit about some of these surprises cuz you know, Ornithopter of Paradise, I really did not see that one coming. So maybe we can analyze a little bit of why that saw so yeah. much play. I actually would like to get into that because uh, Ornithopter of Paradise is probably the card from this set that I have put in more decks than I thought I would just because really? it is yeah, it's a colorless two mana mana rock that makes a mana of any color. Um so like a lot of like blue black decks I've been brewing or blue red with a four mana commander. It's just something that has been pretty helpful and I um, tended to be happy to see it. So it looks like other people kind of had that same feeling. It's not something I thought I was going to want or like. Um, it looked pretty like middle of the road, but it has been pretty good for me, I guess. Yeah, it's, that's really interesting. Like, I, I mean, you know, I, I look at it and I see like, oh, it's a more fragile kind of slow mana rock. But you're right. There aren't a whole lot of two cost mana rocks that just tap for mana of any color, like no fuss. And then there and just sort of like looking at where it's played, there are decks that like are really interested in having mana rocks that are also happen to be creatures. Um, I'm looking at Zeta Hedron Grinder. I'm looking at Winota Joiner of Forces. I'm looking at Oswald Fiddlebender. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that one just, uh, I guess that one doesn't care if they're creatures, but, um, yeah, <laughs> but, but like low shield clockwork scholar. Um, so there's a fair, no- or, and I guess Arkham Dagson, that's another, um, good example. So like just, just this recent set, uh, there's an ornithopter of paradise in the Eloise list I put together for the podcast as well. Oh, perfect. Yeah. 
so the, it, there are a lot of, uh, you know, four plus mana commanders that like care about having creatures or artifact creatures. And so getting your commander out early and then getting some sort of additional value beyond that, you know, that's certainly appealing. Like I, I've, I've talked a lot about how enamored I am with um, Elysian Karyatid because that is, you know, helps you get out your, your four power commander uh, and then it taps for additional or like has additional value beyond that because it taps for extra. So I think that maybe we should look more closely in the future at, uh, you know, colorless mana dorks or artifact mana dorks and because they have potential in all these lists. You want to move on to one of the other surprises um, that neither of us really saw coming. Yeah, and no. that's that's profane tutor. So to me, like, you know, I saw this and like, Yes, it's it's very good in Yidris, um, but I just didn't think that it was worth doing the suspend route in most decks. Um, yeah, I this is the one that actually surprises me the most out of the whole list. I guess there's something to be said for Ragavan, and there's something to be said for Academy Manufacturer because I was I was excited about that card and wasn't sure if other people would be, mm-hmm. but like the top commanders for Profane Tutor. Um, our Yidris, Yidris is up there and it's Cody, Vociferous Codex, the five mm-hmm. color commander. And that actually does that make sense. Decent yeah, amount it, of sense. He kind of cascades. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, okay, I get that. But people are, it looks like more than I thought they would. People are just playing it in like random decks. Yeah. Just, just yeah. decks with black. And that's, something you know <laughs> it's kind of well, hard to predict that yeah i mean it looks like what about one in eight of the profane tutors being run are being run in prosper which i guess it does cast from exile hmm. so hmm. the more yeah, we see true. that the more we'll see like the more we see cards that care about casting from exile the more interest we might see in profane tutor but there's but you know like right right alongside that like Chatterfang, Squirrel General, like it's seeing more play in Chatterfang decks that even than Yidris decks, which is I, I don't know. For me, that's a little bit hard to to square. I, I think it is. It, it it looks like outside of you know Cody and Prosper, a pretty flat distribution among black decks. Mm-hmm. It might just be that what we're seeing is it's one of those cards that if you open it in a pack, you find a deck to put it in. Mm-hmm. Could be. Uh, do you think that? Over time, you know, people are going to be happy with its performance and it maybe finds its way into more decks. Or do you think like it might not survive, you know, once people get some experience playing it? Oh, that's so difficult to say, because it could be that the people playing it are having a great time. But I, I just don't know if I would want to put in a tutor that isn't going to happen when I need it into just a deck like it seems like people are want to do. So, I mean, my guess I guess I would have to go with my gut and say, I think they'll pull it out over time, but who knows? (laughs) Like this Mm -hmm. also, I think the biggest thing that this shows me is that how in the moment, I'm trying to think of like a nice way to say that how in the moment people are with their deck building. The fact that Cody has a ton of adoption, but Yidris only has 7% of Yidris decks with this card means Mm -hmm. that it, it means to me that people are not going back and updating old lists. They're, looking at cards that are coming out in comparison with the cards around them they're they're looking at a much smaller pool and there's probably a lot 
less going on in their working memory as they're doing this. So like Prosper has a higher percentage of profane tutors than Yidris does. So that that's interesting to me, you know, that that is something I'm going to make note of in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else we want to mention about these these cards that we missed on? Uh, there was one other uh, card that we missed on that's that's in the top ten, um, and that's Academy Manufacturer. Um, mm-hmm. And sort of just looking at where it's seen the most play, um, you know, it's pretty. I, I mean, it's not super surprising. Like, if any commander interacts with any one of those of those token types, then it it sees some decent adoption there. Like, it's in forty three percent of Prosper decks. Um, it's in a, a pretty big chunk of Guillaume decks in Lawness decks in as more as more decks. Yeah. Um, so I th- that makes sense, but I don't know if I love it as much in decks that are making treasure. Um, like in in my Prosper list, for example, I'm you know I usually have plenty to do because all of so much of my deck is just like. Uh, impulse draw and so i usually have plenty of things to do with my mana and i'm I'm not really looking to crack food or crack clues so i feel like if your deck is a treasure deck and you've got plenty of things to do with your mana already it doesn't add a whole lot mm-hmm. but i think there are uh, exceptions to that i think the the only the the only reason i say that is because i have one of those exceptions which is i have a, a malcolm and dargo like pirates list and just having a bunch of just crap on the battlefield is great for dargo like mm-hmm. you can just attack with impunity sack a bunch of food and treasure and investigate tokens and get them right back so oh, that's a good point that that's one of the only cases where i think like it's it's probably good like if you have a deck that can just use a whole bunch of crap that's lying around um, if you have a deck that like uses like a mayhem devil type deal or like a marionette master, I could see those kind of decks wanting like a academy manufacturer because it's just going along with what you're trying to do in the first place. But mm-hmm. I do agree in general, like I wouldn't put this in like a Galazeth, you know, I wouldn't put this in like, uh, I guess it would depend on my build of Magda, but you know, like if I am making treasure, I'm probably not in need of food and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, you, what your opinions on that are, Alex. Yeah, I I guess there are a few that are sort of puzzling to me insofar as like it's we're seeing a lot of adoption in Galazeth Prismari and Magda Brazen Outlaw, like you said. Galazeth makes a treasure. Uh, you know, an Academy manufacturer will give you two more artifacts and Galazeth isn't picky about them being treasures that you're tapping for mana. I guess it might just be that there are enough Galazeth decks that specifically are trying to do the treasure thing that that makes it worth it. But I'm totally on the same page with Magda where nothing on Magda says anything about artifacts on the battlefield. It talks about treasures on the battlefield and Mm -hmm. artifacts in your library. Mm -hmm. You don't need five clues and five food tokens on the battlefield if you're just going to combo off. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing too is like when when I've like theory crafted Galazeth lists or looked at other people's Galazeth lists, like I do get it. Like, yeah, you get your treasure and Oh no, I got three things to tap for mana for my instants and sorceries. But 
like are you putting more of those cards in here yeah i mean i guess like i guess the the bottom line with galazeth is if you do look at the high synergy and the new cards like the cards that are seeing adoption do in fact make treasures and make clues like people go out of their way specifically to make these tokens in galazeth Mm -hmm. so at a certain point it's sort of like zorn where it just kind of makes sense to do it there's no reason Mm -hmm. not to Mm -hmm, i got you yeah i I guess we'll talk about zorn soon enough yeah (laughs) and and, yeah in just a moment uh i will say that like because so much because like an enormous chunk of these uh decks running academy manufacturer are like prosper decks and and to a lesser extent like kalane decks i'm going to defend our decision not to include academy manufacturer on our predictions because like we had no way of knowing that treasure was going to be a major theme in afr so yeah again like i liked that card i think i was high on it when we talked about it i just like didn't think this was a thing the community as a whole was gonna like care about yeah that's a pretty good segue we didn't know afr was gonna be about treasure do we want to start getting into these uh afr predictions absolutely uh so i'll read mine off really quick um so uh Guardian of Faith, I thought that was going to be in the top 10. Um, that is the one white-white 3-2 Vigilance Flash creature that when enters the battlefield, you can phase out any number of creatures you control, any number of other creatures you control, rather. Uh, Circle of Dreams Druid, this is the green-green-green for a 2-1 Elf Druid that uh, is basically a guy's cradle. Uh, I thought Moonblessed Cleric would see a lot of adoption. That's the, uh, the human elf cleric uh for two and a white that when it enters the battlefield you search your library for an enchantment and put it on on top of your library uh teleportation circle that's three and a white for the enchantment that uh it's like a conjurer's closet but i guess it also blinks artifacts um uh old gnawbone that's the dragon five gg that uh whenever you deal combat damage to an opponent you create that many treasures I have Vecna is the two cost legendary artifact uh, that's kind of just an egg, except uh, in subsequent upkeeps, you can pay two mana and uh, pay two life and draw a card. Uh, Grazalax is one blue blue. Um, and essentially, it, it, if your guys get blocked, you can bounce them to your hand. And for each opponent you hit during combat, you get to draw one card. Oswald Fiddlebender is the the two mana, one and a white uh, birthing pod for artifacts. Minimus Containment is, uh, well, turn something into a treasure. And Treasure Vault is the artifact land that you can sack it to make a bunch of treasures. Uh, what were your predictions, Zach? So my predictions were Teleportation Circle. Mm-hmm. And I had said two classes. I had said Druid class, which uh, does a bunch of things. One of them is that you gain... Level 1, you gain a life when you play a land. Level 2 is you can play an additional land each turn. Level 3 is you can animate a land to like be a pretty big dude. 3 fighter class is tutor for your equipment, uh, make the equip costs less, and like buff a creature when it attacks while it's equipped or whatever. Zorn was one of mine. I was like, this, there's no way this guy's not going to be played. Uh, Old Gnawbones was one. Uh, Guardian of Faith, Grazalax, which Nick said. Uh, Circle of Dreams Druid. I said Tasha's Hideous Laughter, which is the three mana exile 20 CMC of cards from the top of their library. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Vecna, and then I had an honorable mention of Vorpal Sword because I wanted to put it in my list, but like 
I didn't really know where <laughs> to put it, so I cheated and put them on 11. Can I read off the actual top 10? Because it is uh, interesting to me. Yeah, no, there definitely some surprises there. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. So the number one was Treasure Vault. Absolutely blown away <laughs> by that. Um, number two is Old Knob Bones. Saw that one coming. Circle of Dreams Druid. Definitely saw that. Zorn, 100%. Right there with you, bud. Love you, my three-armed uh, young boy. Deadly Dispute. Did not see this one coming. So Deadly Dispute. It's an instant you can sack a creature or artifact to draw two cards and create a treasure token. So it's kind of like uh, Alter's Reap, but two mana, but you get a treasure. So it's kind of like one mana. You find some prisoners, which is destroy an artifact or, uh, or impulse draw, basically. Did not expect that. Unexpected Windfall, which is a four mana instant, discard a card, draw two cards, and make two treasure. Also didn't expect that. This is a card that I really liked and was like, hmm, this is great. I'm going to play this card. And then uh, apparently other people were also into that. Wizard Class is here. Wizard Class is level one. You have no max hand size. Level two is uh, draw two cards. So you just can pay three to draw two cards. And the last level is whenever you draw a card, you can put a plus one plus one counter on a creature you control. And it all starts at the low, low cost of one blue mana. <laughs> <laughs> um, teleportation Circle is here on number nine. Guardian of Faith snuck in at number 10. And then ooh, right there, number 11, the uh, right at the end, Vorpal Sword. So uh, just going to say uh, my top Count 11. Count that as a win. Sure. Yeah, I got I <laughs> But um, yeah, there's a lot to go over here. Let's start with just. Well, let's start with what we got right. So I think, Nick, you got one, two. Nick got five right, and I got five right, six, including Vorpal Sword. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were both about halfway there, um, and there's some pretty crazy ones. I think let's start with Treasure Vault being the most adopted card first, because that actually is really interesting. Yeah, I, I think that, like, I mean, I mean, this is the first set where treasure was really blown out. And if it was just because it was an artifact land, then we probably would have seen some more adoption of the artifact lands in Modern Horizons 2. It really seems like uh, it's the treasure part of this card that launched it to the top of the list. And I, yeah, we, we really hadn't seen treasure blown out. I had no idea of treasure's popularity uh, leading into this set, especially like now that we have some commanders that care about treasure, and so that was a big surprise to me. I kind of just threw it on there because, like, hey, you know, artifact lands see a lot of play, but uh, yeah, that, it's. Uh, I guess we learned something a bit about cards that make treasure tokens. Yeah, and and I I don't I did not mention it in my top cards. I'm like, oh, this is just kind of like a weird artifact land, but it really is. I think the treasure that that pushed it over because in my playing with the card like online not been super impressed (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like it's not a really impressive magic card but it definitely is an artifact and it definitely can make some treasure so i don't know if if, have you gotten to see this in the wild alex i have not seen it but i can say that it has ended up in a lot of decks that i have kind of brewed for various purposes um Mm -hmm. decks that i haven't built but that i've kind of a some like theory crafted Mm -hmm. oh we're Um, all we do that uh all the time here (laughs) yeah so 
And definitely what we're seeing on the EDHREC page as to where it's being used, like these are the kinds of pages I would have used Treasure Vault 2, but I also would have used every artifact land in a lot of these decks. Um, mm -hmm. So it is kind of unusual to see Treasure Vault so popular when the artifact lands um, from Modern the Horizons previous 2. set, yeah, from Modern Horizons 2, um, being, I guess, so much like less popular uh, because the, those the ones from modern horizons 2 are the ones I, i'm actually going to put in decks because they interact with a deck that i already have treasure mm -hmm. vault is just so i don't know i'm not impressed by treasure vault other than the fact that it is an artifact mm -hmm. um, and i definitely would not be interested in paying like over five dollars for it yeah, yeah. I, I put it in my oz gear deck because like any artifact land is good in that list Again, when theory crafting, I put it in some list. Like it makes sense in Oswald Fiddlebender as just something you can sack to start your chain. Um, but you're you're right that like this doesn't really seem like a staple to me. I think it's maybe being used in more decks than than really makes sense. I don't know if like giving up colored mint, like you know, in in the the games I played it, I've also have it in like one or two decks in Historic Brawl on Arena. But in the decks I played it, like I'm never sacrificing it to make treasure. That that's almost never happening, and and so it's really just like a colorless land that dies to Vandal Blast a lot of the time. Yeah, but for completion's sake, if you're going to run every artifact land, it goes in the deck. Yep, yep. Well, let's talk a bit about some of the cards that we both missed on. Um, so deadly dispute that came up, um, and I don't know if this is something like I should have hit upon because like you know i i we just did that episode um cards we were wrong about and like village rights has seen crazy adoption so like we should have been paying more attention to like a village rights variant that is better in some cases like you know if you're sacrificing a treasure to this or or even like uh a food token or something it's kind of just draw two cards for one mana um but uh, we, we didn't really look twice at it. Do you think that now that we've got like two instances of us flubbing uh, a card that looks like this, we're, we're, are we going to make this mistake again? Or, or do you think we've learned our lesson? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't imagine that they print a new version of this effect that is better than these. You know what I mean? That is... This, these are seem like the two best, most efficient versions of this. This one can sack artifacts too. Mm -hmm. I think that also gives it a leg up over um, some of the other like variants that we've seen, like Alter's Reap. So, yeah, I mean, if we end up seeing something like this in the future, I I don't think I will discount it. Moving on to uh, you find some prisoners. I would, just a reminder: you find some prisoners is one in a red for an instant. You can either destroy target artifact or exile the top three cards of target opponent's library. Uh, and then you can cast one of them until the end of your next turn and spend mana of, as though or mana of any color. I think we mentioned it in our set review, like, oh, it's cool that it's an instant. Um, I mean, it's cool that it's like an artifact on one mode or like sort of a cantrip on another. Um, but I, I think we came down a little low on it, possibly in part because like, you know, we were reviewing the set and, and writing our notes before like the, the AFR precons had been spoiled. And certainly before we knew like how popular Tr Prosper was going to be. 
So, so much of the popularity of You Find Some Prisoners was just pretty much solely due to Prosper. You Find Some Prisoners is in about 1,600 decks, and 950 of those are Prosper lists. So I I don't know if it's really a, a format staple. I think it's just like a card that has utility in Prosper, or has utility in a very popular commander, and I'm not sure there's like a a life lesson to take away from this one. But what do you think? Uh, yeah, this one is like, I, I kind of agree. I don't know if there is a life lesson to take away here because I think the stars just aligned and there is a card that worked really well with it because it's not like I was going around and replacing... Oh, I mean, I'm just going to say like I didn't really have Shatter in that many lists. Like I had like mm-hmm. a Braid. I had other cards that destroy artifacts in my list, but... Um, it wasn't like I was clamoring to find a little bit more value <laughs> to like squeeze in in this place. This really seems like um, there's just a deck that this kind of worked pretty well with. Yeah, like, like for reference, Shredded Sails is one in a red for an instant. Uh, choose one, destroy target artifact, or it deals four damage to target creature with flying, and it has cycling for two. So it, it really looks like almost the exact same card, except... Uh, you know, has this extra mode of hitting flyers and cycling is in most lists just better than the the impulse draw off an opponent's library. Although, although I guess you know you do get some card selection that way, so maybe there is a point. But you know, it's it's pretty comparable, and that sees a lot less adoption than you find some prisoners. So I think it's like solely just because of the exile mode interacting with Prosper that we're seeing so much adoption. Yeah, I yeah. think if there is a life lesson to take away from this, it's purely in like a gamesmanship sort of perspective of if you can identify like what the next breakout commander is of a set and there is something in the set that works extremely well with that, then you know, you might boost the numbers from just that observation alone. Mm-hmm. But but that's not like a practical application, that's just for the purpose of future top 10s. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a big gamble too, but uh, yeah, interesting point. Do you want to move on to the another card that we missed, and that is unexpected windfall? Yeah. <laughs> so unexpected windfall is uh, two red. I mean, it's it's a, a pirate's pillage almost exactly. Is pirate's pillage an instant? No, pirate's pillage is a sorcery. Oh, okay, all right. Um, so an upgrade, a, a slight upgrade over pirate's pillage, side then side grade for sure because it's double red. Mm, good point. Um. But you know, pir- you know this this one surprised me a bit. Pirates Pillage doesn't see a, a huge amount of play. Um, maybe that's changed with the advent of some um, treasure commanders. Oh yeah, it, it's doing okay these days. Um, I I think this kind of might just fall into the same category as some of the other cards that interact with treasure commanders. Well, actually, it looks like a pretty flat distribution here. Like there's a, a slight bump in like Kalein decks and Prosper decks, but for the most part, it's um, really spread across a whole bunch of different commanders with slight peaks. Um, with for like say Wart the Raid Mother or Kalamax the Storm Sire, like decks that are easily able to copy it and draw extra cards and make extra treasure. The curious thing about this is it actually does not look that similar. The page between this and Pirates Pillage do not look that similar. Hmm. You would expect to see, 
you know, basically this the same list of commanders in the same order, and that is not what you see. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know what to make of that. <laughs> I mean, I think like because one of the things is I've cut pirates pillage from a decent amount of decks just because it was like too clunky and slow being a sorcery, like having to go like, okay, well, on my turn, I do this. But a lot of the cards, uh, a lot of the commanders that are running Unexpected Windfall are decks that want to run instants and sorceries and stuff like that, that want to be tricky, do something in combat, something like Copy that. their spell. Yeah, copy their spells. Like They want to leave mana up so that they have a say in the conversation as it's happening. Um, so that's the biggest thing that I see that's the biggest difference between the two pages. Uh, it also could just be that people forgot about Pirate's Pillage or something. Yeah, Pirate's uh, Pillage is only in about, what, three times as many decks? Not even? Yeah, and it's been out. Windfall. Yeah, and it's been yeah. out almost a decade now, like eight years at this point. Right. It's been out long enough that every deck on the database has had the opportunity to run it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. I, I totally yeah. agree. It's, it's I, strange. I'm kind of of the opinion that this might be the sort of card that it has an early bump and then people will maybe come to the same conclusion that they do with Pirate's Pillage which is you know as as many things as it appears to be doing it might not be doing them well enough yeah maybe but it's hard I, to say we we do have these treasure matters commanders that will probably want it in the long haul yeah, yeah. It, it is worth noting like the the instant speed certainly is a, a huge benefit like thrill of possibility sees a lot more play than like tormenting voice and wild guess and you know the ability to hold up other abilities or other spells like interaction whatever and then unexpected just unexpected windfall and get like a little bit of card selection and mana ramp if if you don't end up casting your other things that's that's pretty valuable i i guess i have been as someone who um you know i have uh played my share of storm decks the mana intensity just seems very risky to me and in a storm situation the instant speed just is irrelevant Mm -hmm. um so maybe that's just the perspective that i'm coming at it from but i think you're right the instant speed is definitely a point in its favor yeah all right moving on to one last card that that neither of us picked uh that is wizard class Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean it it certainly surprised me this wasn't anywhere close to my list for um for top 10 i I mean the the spell book effect is not does not matter for a lot of commanders and just averaging the mana over the first two um i I mean like divination doesn't really see play in commander and Mm -hmm. you're you get a worse rate than that if that's what you're going for yeah i think it is really that last ability that is getting this card up into here and the only thing i'll say about that is that we have a friend with like a wizard deck that is just tribal wizards it was a zombie i don't i don't actually know if he even has it still together a zombie lady of scrolls and if you didn't have divination rod or something like that you just kind of like it was pretty hard to close out the game (laughs) Mm -hmm. so my guess is and this is entirely conjecture because i didn't expect this to be up here is that People were like, oh, a win condition for my blue deck that doesn't have a win condition and put this in 
because I'm not really sure why. Other than that, it is. It's. I mean, it's a lot of interesting stuff on one card. But you're right; it's at a not like a premium rate, <laughs> like at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, just looking at its page, um, you know, there's a decent pile of min decks. The the guy who creates illusion tokens, about 166 of those decks are running wizard class of the, as of the time of recording. But other than that, there's like no really visible spikes anywhere um it just seems like it's a flat distribution and a lot of people independently decided to put it in their blue deck um yeah it looks like it it is just being played in blue decks period like there is no commander that is hoarding the wizard class (laughs) yeah i don't understand this one really yeah weird i don't understand it but i will be keeping it in mind in just a few minutes (laughs) i like that um yeah i mean really that's that's for the most part it uh right like is there any other of these cards that you wanted to talk about or we we should probably get into the yeah those were all the ones that we had missed uh out of the the real top 10 but i think we you're right we can move on to our innistrad midnight hunt predictions um so all uh, briefly run through mine and give like a quick justification for why I think such a card is going to be in the top 10. Um, and, and then uh, we'll just go through them. I think that the overgrown farmland cycle, the slow lands uh, are going to see pretty decent adoption. Um, like they're, they're definitely not great on turns one and two, but so much of a, I mean, commander games run pretty long in so much of the game. They're going to be live. Uh, they're they're fine top decks, and of course, you know if they're in your opening hand, you would presumably have other lands to play before it. So I just don't think it's drawback that matters that much, and uh, it's probably going to be pretty cheap for most players to acquire. I just think they're good lands. Uh, next on my list is Unnatural Growth. This is the one green, 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 green enchantment uh, that at the beginning of each combat you double. Uh, the size of your creatures. That just seems like uh, this one's a little bit of a swing for me, but it's enormous numbers and it's, it seems like it has a lot of Timmy appeal. It's pretty pushed for what it does. Uh, so I think that could see some play. Augur of Autumn is the, uh, it's like Corsair of Crufix, but it, if you have Coven, you can also play creatures off the top. This just seems like a really, uh, efficient rate for the effect like Corsair sees plenty of play in lands decks this gives most of what that card does but to the potential to also be a vizier of the menagerie for uh, a relatively easy to achieve condition I, I think is um, pretty appealing the meat hook massacre uh, you, you know we've complained or at least I've complained so much on the show about you know blood artist variants and how so much of the time like they they're just like plinking numbers up and down and but they are enormously popular in the format and the meat hook massacre does a lot of what they do it is like weirdly divided between you only gave gain life when your opponent's creatures die and your opponents only lose life when your creatures die but even despite that like slight deviation from the blood artist template the fact that it's also a board wipe like is very very good like 
I, I see this as a, a board wipe with like this alternate blood artist mode, which uh, that's, I, I don't know, that seems fantastic to me. Um, and then the, the next ones on here are all, they seem like slam dunks to me. Um, Infernal Grasp is one in a black instant. Destroy target creature, you lose two life. Uh, consider is the, the opt, but you surveil instead of scry. Vanquish the Horde is the white Blasphemous Act variant. Uh, Fateful Absence is uh, one in a white instant. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. Its controller investigates. Cathar Commando is one in a white for a 3-1 human soldier with flash um, that you can pay one and sacrifice it to disenchant. And Moon Silver Key uh, is the two-cost artifact that you can pay one, tap, sacrifice it, and search your library for a basic land or an artifact with a mana ability. <clears throat> As we mentioned during our, our set review, or right at the end there, there are, are so many mana abilities on format, on commander format staples. Um, it's it's not only just like gets an efficient mana rock, uh, you know, and sort of serves as another trinket mage, but it also just gets a bunch of combo pieces. And if you're running any combo that touches on like, you know, Ashnod's Altar or Cork uh, Clan Ironworks or any of the many mana abilities uh, on artifacts, then you're just you just have to run this card. Uh, but that's those are my top ten. Uh, Alex, do you want to go next? Ooh, all right, a lot of pressure here. Um, <laughs> so a lot of mine are going to be similar, and to some extent, I feel like we kind of have some gimmies in this set. Mm-hmm. Um, so first off, consider it's basically opt. Opt is extremely popular. Uh, Infernal Grasp, basically the best card of its kind. Um, just removal, I expect to see it. Uh, Fateful Absence, the third best creature removal in white to date. Uh, that'll see play. Cathar Commando, I I believe Cathar Commando will be popular because it is also filling a need in white. Mm-hmm. Um, like even more than say Disenchant, which is quite popular. Disenchant is in almost 13,000 decks. Cathar Commando is in conversation with lots of other things White is doing, whereas Disenchant just is dead in the graveyard, and it is still popular. Mm -hmm. Um, Outland Liberator, uh, its comparison to Caustic Caterpillar makes me think that it will just be a reliable workhorse in a lot of different decks. Um, Augur of Autumn, uh, as we said in the review of it, Corsair of Crufix is very popular. Augur of Autumn is better in most decks. Um, we've got next up is this is where I start deviating from uh, Nick's predictions a little bit. Um, Ardent Elementalist. Uh, and in that, I was looking at Archaeomancer, which is in almost 24,000 decks. And just the, the way that this. Uh, that Ardent Elementalist plays with its own effects in red as well as effects in white makes me think that red is a color that's even more hungry for this ability than blue. Um, so as much adoption as we were seeing Archaeomancer get, I'd be surprised if Ardent Elementalist didn't see at least that in the long run. Um, next, Moon Silver Key, for all the reasons Nick stated, uh, as well as the fact that the fail case on it is just so high. Um, it's you know, an Ur Golem's Eye that you can 
pay in installments if you go get your soul ring, as well as the fact that you have cards that are very popular, um, like the Great Henge that it can go get. Uh, you can also get like Thought Vessel, um, and even cards like uh, Caged Sun have mana abilities. It it it's a lot more versatile. Um, than it initially appears, and I think the only thing that will hold it back is that in maybe two months, people haven't picked up on that. But I, I think in two years, it will be one of the most popular cards in the set, for sure. Mm-hmm. Next, the Meat Hook Massacre, for all the reasons uh, that Nick already said. Um, Zulaport Cutthroat is a pretty direct comparison, and it's in 42,000 decks. Um, and Zulaport Cutthroat isn't a Wrath, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be real surprised. The only possibility with the Meat Hook Massacre is uh, if the price keeps people away from it. Yeah. Um, number 10, sort of a a little bit of a big swing, um, but as I said earlier, I'm keeping Wizard Class in mind here. I think Triska Decafile will be one of uh, the top 10 of the set. And like I said, Wizard Class, um, it's doing a lot of the same things. It is the no maximum hand size combined with the uh, potential for card draw combined with the win condition. I think a lot of blue decks are in the market for, you know, vaguely those things. Uh, and another consideration is that Laboratory Maniac, which is probably what the third best uh, empty library win condition, is in 25,000 decks still. Um, and for the most part, it looks like those are blue decks that are just trying to draw so many cards that they just run out naturally. Um, Triskaidekaphile does the same thing for you, what, 80 cards sooner? Um, so it's just an easier version of that effect. People like, you know, the text, you win the game. Um, so I'm, I'm gambling on Triskaidekaphile. There's a card I wanted to put as an honorable mention, uh, and that is the Celestis. As I mentioned when we talked about the card in the review, um, 10,000 decks run Pristine Talisman. I think every one of those decks would be better off running the Celestis. Um, And I also think that it has applications outside of just those life gain contexts um, because of its interaction with Day-Night, which may matter to decks going forward, uh, as well as just kind of the passive card selection uh, that a three-mana rock that fixes colors for you uh, is just passively providing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have it in my top 10, if only because there is this mantra that gets repeated of thou shalt not pay three for a mana rock. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and as unfortunate as it is, I, I'm not confident that people will kind of see through that and see what and see everything this card has to offer. Just a expand a little bit on the point you made about like day night mattering going forward i definitely think that it's it's going to appear in crimson vow as well um like the fact that they've they've planned this the fact that they've planned this innistrad double feature uh that like mixes the limited formats of both sets indicates to me that like at least some of the major mechanics are going to be crossing over uh between the sets so I think it makes sense that like the Celestis could gain value as time goes on. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really I actually had that on my list for a little bit and then uh was like, 
Mm, I it's one of those where like I know I'm going to play it. I know I'm going to try it, but I'm not sure. Like Academy Manufacturer, like I'm not sure if other people like it. So if I'm wrong, so be it. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually gonna. I didn't make use of an honorable mention, so I'm gonna change that right now. I'm gonna. (laughs) uh, Yeah, uh, I'm gonna put Outland uh, Liberator on my official top ten, and I'm gonna relegate Unnatural Growth to an HM slot. Um, Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, But Zach, what were your predictions? Yeah, actually, I I don't have an honorable mention at this time, and I definitely could. Um, So when we get to the end of this, uh, let's see. Uh, my f- number one was the lands, uh, and I want to say uh, something different than what you've said about them, which is that I think these lands solve a very, very good problem in Commander in that they can just print them in every EDH deck that they print now. Any Commander deck that comes out from now on, they've been doing this with the check lands from old Innistrad, or, or Innistrad 2.0. Mm-hmm. They've been doing this with the Battle for Zendikar duels. They've been doing this with the, um, like, signet filter lands uh pretty much every deck that comes out has had those lands in them if every deck that comes out has these lands in them then that would be wonderful i really think they should expand this to include like the battle bond lands as well um like there's no reason that a those lands need to be expensive and b people need to fight and like play like sub optimum lands to play with their friends um these do have the chance to become expensive if like everyone picks them up for commander and then they just never reprint them ever again. So I really like these lands. I think they're going to be ha- highly adopted because they are so good in commander and I really, really want them to just print them forever. <laughs> Keep <laughs> printing them. I want to see what these lands look like on every set we go to in the commander decks. Please show me. Um, my number two is Vanquish the Horde. Oh, and I'm doing this in Wooburg order at this point. So my white cards are Vanquish the Horde. I think that the allure of a two-mana Wrath uh, is strong. And I also think that when it is two-mana and you can Wrath and do something else, that is crazy. Or like Wrath and keep up counter magic. Uh, that's very good. So the, the ceiling is so high on this. Uh, and the floor is... I don't, I don't actually think it's like... I think you can argue that there's a really low floor, but I think most of the time it's not going to be that bad. So, uh, Fateful Absence is my number three. This is the one where Soren is looking at bed pretty confused. He's looking at his uh, night night zone, and he's like, "Hmm, um, they sh- oh God, the art. They should have just done something else." I know story wise, it's it like, "Oh no, my dad's not here," but like that doesn't make sense for like a it's kill hard spell. to communicate an absence. Uh, yeah <laughs> exactly yeah do like a dotted line where the person should be <laughs> yeah i thought just do bubble. what they did on a wall just like have a cutout and like yeah. The... <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so uh art uh notwithstanding this card is going to be played like all the time like if white becomes the color of removal like they say it is then i will be very happy and this card i think is just hits the mark really well Poppet Stitcher, so my blue card, one of my blue cards, uh, Talrand and Murmuring Mystic are in a lot of decks. And if this was just Poppet Stitcher, if it just made decayed tokens, I don't think I would care. But the fact that it can flip and like keep your tokens around, it has combo potential with some of the new commanders and other commanders that we've seen. Um, I think this card just does enough things that it is worth it in some of these uh, 
like lists that might want to run Talrand or something like that. Um, and also it's only three mana, so that's cool. Consider, uh, I'm not going to say too much. I think Alex hit this one on the head. Uh, one mana spells are just very good. This moves your draw, possibly draws you two cards, depending on the deck you're in. Um, awesome. Great. Uh, number six is the one that, so a thing that we do all the time that comes up in this, we, we talked about it a little bit, well, we haven't really talked about it, is that they always print like a good two mana removal spell that's an upgrade over something we have. And it has to just be like crazy good for people to pick it up. But like what, like Power Word Kill was one that me and Nick were really high on. I, I'm still pretty high on it. Um, I've put it in some decks and it's been pretty good. The only one that really got there was Heartless Act. People picked up Heartless Act, but like most of the other two mana black kill spells people don't pick up. I'm still gonna like stubbornly say Infernal Grasp just because it is the killiest spell. It is the the this thing just kills everything. It's two mana. I think it's I think it clears the bar. Mm-hmm. So well, I'm gonna put it We'll here. all go down together if we're wrong. Yeah, it's like if there's I feel like it has to <laughs> see play because it is the bestest of the spells that do this. Um at least for commander, you know. Um and then Red Ardent Elementalist. I've been waiting for this for so long, so I'm so happy to see Ardent Elementalist in this set. Um so excited to play with it forever, forever and ever. Green cards, I have two. I have Augur of Autumn, which is uh just like so it, it, the if you get to play creatures off the top it is incredible if you can only play lands off the top it is merely very good and there are a lot of decks that want even just that part of it so i think this is just great it's just going to be a good card uh my kind of flex slot here because i thought about meat massacre in the in the black ones but i'm going to put dryads revival people Play with regrowth, play with different types of regrowths, but usually when the regrowth has like a wide enough margin of decks it can go into, people are really apt to play it. So like Balagad Recovery sees play in 23,000 lists. Um, this is is a bad regrowth, but it's two bad regrowths. You can mill it and like not screw your game plan up. I think that's going to be enough value that people are going to try and play it. So that I'm putting that on my top 10. Uh, and then the last one's Moon Silver Key. I don't need to repeat what uh, was said because, wow, <laughs> this yeah. card just has been blowing me away. As as uh, the more things we realize it can do, so uh, if this isn't a staple, then I don't know what what is going to be. You know. Um, and I guess if we get an honorable mention, it's probably. Uh, the white two drop. That's probably going to be my honorable mention. Cathar um, Commando. Yeah, I'm going to say Cathar Commando because green has had options, but white has not. So I mm-hmm. would bet that white getting a new tool means it's going to say see more play than green, who has uh a lot of toys already in their their little toy chest. Uh, let's see. Before we, I mean, those are all our predictions, and we will check in uh, during our Crimson Vow set review to see how we did. Um, but before we go, I, I do want to just discuss one thing because there, um, 
I think is, you know, we agreed on, on most of these. I think we're pretty much in agreement on where the power in the set is concentrated. But there's one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit. And like one card that you both have on your list that I don't have on mind is Ardent Elementalist. And while I hmm. am really high on the card and I like it a lot, um, you know, it's it's worth noting that some of the other red variants of this effect don't really see much play. Um, like Anarchist is pretty low adoption. I think it's currently in, in just over 500 decks. There's also the less good but worth mentioning um, a card from Modern Horizons 2 Revolutionist, which is the, the six mana Ardent Elementalist with uh, that Madness is for four. Um, and that's seen play in just over 400 decks. So I think, uh, although I, I really like Arden Elementalist as a card, and I want this, I want to see more variants of this effect. Um, it doesn't seem like there's a huge, uh, mm, the well, it doesn't seem like folks are really playing these types of cards at the moment. And I'm wondering if that has to do with just red, maybe not having as much infrastructure for these these types of ETB regrowth creatures as some of the other colors like red doesn't have as, I mean, it's got Kiki it's got Felden of the third path, but it doesn't have a ton of engines for making use of these guys. And also it's a little bit more limited in like what types of things it can regrow. You know, blue has time warp effects. That's often the best thing to do with these. Uh, white has mass uh, a couple mass blink effects that work really well with these types of cards. Aside from like Kindred Charge and Twin Flame, there just aren't a ton of ways to get a lot of value out of these. So I, I just wanted to uh, get your guys' thoughts on that and and what made you high on the Elementalist. First, mine is that like you are right that there's not as much infrastructure here, but I also think it's like the options that we have had in like Mono Red were like not super sexy and on top of that we are getting things like the unexpected windfall like things that do look good they're instants they do a lot and they're they're really trying to pump up the red instant and sorcery like suite that they have so mm, i guess my caveat is that even if it doesn't see high adoption in the next like three months i think in the next like two years it definitely will be i think in the next like two years it's gonna be like probably less than our answer, but like comparable you know like maybe not in like twenty four thousand decks but in like eighteen thousand decks or something like that mm -hmm. um that's my prediction just because i think like as like we've seen people are pretty like in the moment when they're building decks talking about decks thinking about decks with what cards are out so if they just keep printing red spells matter things i think this is going to be one of the cards that um benefits from that so that's that's how i think alex might have different points or opinions yeah i i suppose it's very similar really at the end of the day it's maybe more like aspirational i think that like you said there are some important blue effects like time warps that kind of make uh, that make Archaeomancer sort of never a horrible choice. Um, 
on the flip side, there are plenty of blue-red decks. Um, all of the things that work in white-blue with Archaeomancer also work in white-red with an Elementalist. I think red is, you know, it's one of the spell colors. It there We've talked about several surprisingly popular red cards today uh, that you can get back with an Ardent Elementalist. Um, and I would not be surprised at all if the people who are using those think to themselves, you know what, I would love to do a second time. Uh, unexpected windfall. You know, that seems pretty reasonable to me. To me, it reads like a workhorse card that, you know, if you are just flipping through your box and trying to fill out a red X deck, it probably makes the cut in a lot of them. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. I'm, I'm totally willing to be wrong on this because, like, apparently, I mean, Nick, you're correct. Like, the data does not show that people are picking these up necessarily right now. And I, I really would attribute most of that to the fact that, like, the options were worse <laughs> you know the options were five or six mana they were two colors it, it, like we just haven't had as good a, a version as this yet yeah and and i will i mean i will say like the fact that it is a shaman and not a wizard might actually be what ends up biting it uh which mm. is kind of bizarre but it might be the case you look at like is it chronarch for example which sees play in a lot more decks than you would expect 1400 decks um, it's because it's a wizard. Uh, so, you know, the only reason it wouldn't make those, wouldn't, the only reason Ardent Elementalist wouldn't replace every Is It Chronarch is because it isn't a wizard. Yeah, um, losing out on Riptide Laboratory is a, is a little painful. Yeah, but the, like Zach said, there's a big difference between four mana and six mana. I think with, uh, Anarchist, the fact that you have to think to yourself, like, well, if I replace some instants with sorceries, my deck becomes better. Like, that's that causes a lot of uh, dissonance in people's minds. So, why don't I just not play Anarchist? I don't want to have to think about the fact that a sorcery might be better. Um, you don't have that problem with Ardent Elementalist. And I think mm -hmm. that compared to Anarchist, it, that will make it feel like a big improvement. Okay. Uh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, I just wanted to, to get a little discussion there because it seemed like one of the major differences between our lists. Mm -hmm. No, I, I mean, I, I think that's why these episodes are good. Yeah. Uh, any, any final thoughts on Innistrad Midnight Hunt? Um, how, how do you feel about the set overall before we wrap up this episode? My thought is really quick. I just don't... I, like. The original Innistrad had like a lot of power in it. We still talk about a lot of the cards there. Like we still define like low to the ground blue decks as Delver, um, because of Delver of Secrets, uh, Snapcaster Mage, stuff like that. There, there is a lot of power in the original Innistrad, and this set feels like it's doing a similar type deal on this return, where it's like not about Eldrazi, not about like creepy stuff. It's about like. This one's a lot more about like movie tropes, like with the Meat Hook Massacre or um, uh, what's the other? There's there's a bunch of like horror movies that um, got cards this time as of, oh the Sludge Monster, you know stuff like that. Um, oh, they they just printed a uh, reference to the movie The Fly. Uh, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Well, I mean, Phantom they should Carriages do three. From... They should do three of those. Yeah, yeah Phantom <laughs> Carriages from an old, old movie. Um, so this this set more than the other ones. They they it felt like they were keying into like movie horror tropes, which is interesting. But they put the power in these like utility spells, which is really interesting to me. I I think it's just a sign that they wanted this set to be played. And I think also in the rotation that it's taking over, they're like, if we put power in this utility spell that we know can't break standard, <laughs> but um, will be fun to play with, then uh, this format will be a lot nicer, a lot more even keel. So I think Commander is just kind of like a byproduct of that. Like all of a sudden we get a bunch of these really powerful, like a two drop in white that you can sack to blow something up, but is also works with all the white spells that bring back two power or less things or two drops and stuff like that. So. That's how I feel about this set. They really, really wanted to make sure that the cards are workhorse. And like that, we didn't mention any of the flashback two color spells, but that's because they're all like two colors. <laughs> yeah, they're all two colors, and then they're all like not remarkable. They're not powerful. They just do their thing, you know. They do their thing and keep going. And I think that's just indicative of like what they wanted this set to do. Is like, uh, yeah, okay, I could put um what's the blue black one the one where you steal a card and it just all it does is draw a card basically the siphon insight i could put siphon insight in a deck it's a two minute instant blue black look at the top two cards of target opponent's library exile one of them face down put the other on the bottom of their library you may look at and cast that card as long as it remains exiled and you can spend mana as though it's any color to cast it it has flashback of one blue black that's i could put that in a deck it would be fine but like it's not crazy, you know? And all of these spells were like this. Like, every single one of these, like, rare flashback spells was like this. So they really put the power in the utility and not in um, kind of new space. And that is really interesting to me. Yeah, if I had to describe the set in one word, it would be workhorse. There are so many workhorse cards in this set that are just marginal improvements over things that have kind of been at the top of their class for years yeah um, really and it, it's to me i think the the humor in the set is that you know we have so many efficient removal spells like all of us listed what four to five removal spells in our top yeah. 10 <laughs> which yep. i guess like the the idea there is like what's scarier than dying <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it just is it's the kind of set where we'll be seeing a lot of cards from this set for a long time, I think, and then forgetting that they are from this set. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of cards in this set that are like, could conceivably see reprints in other sets and you wouldn't bat an eye. I'll, I'll say that, like, what, I, I think I mentioned this during the, the main set review, but this set, uh, like, like some of those workhorse cards are sort of like, filling in the critical masses of, of for colors or, or effects that don't currently have them so it, yeah while well, like there's a million dewblade variants for infernal grasp to to go on the pile of and and kind of ditto um uh kind of ditto like vanquish um vanquish the horde there's we, the fact that we're getting this like really good disenchant variant um that that comes on a reusable body uh the fact that we're getting this white spot removal spell or this red um 
Archaeomancer. These are all things that like they should have been doing for the last two decades and they just didn't. Um, so I, I love to see that even though these cards are like not anything particularly new, they are kind of making good on the promises of these colors and sort of filling in the gaps in white and red. Yeah, I think that's that is the uh the other big takeaway. I think like this is they've been saying for so long, no no no, we hear you, we hear you. This is the set where I go, Oh, you did hear, okay. You are listening. I guess to the point that we will be seeing reprints from this set for a long time to come. I hope when it comes to these workhorse cards that we don't see reprints of them. I hope that we do see a critical mass point of these commons and uncommons that we really only need to see a reprint of Cathar Commando what every five years at the most, mm. probably. I got uh, so in the meantime, for the next four years, could we get a Cathar Commando each year <laughs> with a different name? And then yeah. in five years, when we come back to Innistrad or we do a Masters set, you can put Cathar Commando in that. But, mm. you know, one isn't going to cut it unless we're going to make white the color of tutors. Totally agree. I mean, it's like anything. Well, you know, we don't hopefully they don't just check the box when when they think oh we've printed one we're done yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally agree um but I, I think that wraps up our discussion uh thank you so much for listening and we'll we'll see how we did on our predictions i i uh feel pretty good about our our hit rate certainly zach you did a great job on both of the last two sets um so that was very we'll, impressive yeah uh, so we'll see how we do on this when we come back for Innistrad Crimson Vow. But uh, thanks again for listening. And Alex, thank you for coming back on the show, uh, discussing all these cards with us. And you know, we'll, we'll see how your predictions do as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for having me on. And uh, I await with bated breath to see. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. All right. That wraps it up. Thanks, guys. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.